Welcome to the Texas Oil & Gas Podcast, the show dedicated to bring you the news from the oil patch deep in the heart of Texas, with your host, Ryan Ray and Josh Shelton. We're back with the Texas Oil & Gas Podcast. This is episode 159. I'm your host, Josh Shelton, my friend and co-host, Ryan Ray. Ryan, oil prices starting off a little lower than they did last week. Um, Coming off the OPEC news last week, things really got jumped in a good direction. This week's not quite as uh, not quite as exciting. So, how are things going on your end? Well, I think we said last week we ain't out the woods yet, and, and we still ain't. So, uh, good, Josh. Good. Thanks for asking. We, uh, my kids, actually, this morning we went uh, to a little fishing tournament. My kids got second and third, and so that was uh, that was fun. And then we have some. We have one or two reviews in. Did we read the review with Steph at intern? Uh, from Big Tech San seventy two. Yeah, we did. I, we okay, did. good. I don't want to. I definitely want to read it twice. I really want to read it once. With her name getting referenced in there. <laughs> um, this is a beside Stephanie. This this morning, no, this little inside baseball here sent the articles to Josh, um, Nate, and some other Ryan. So I think she's actually working against me at this point. So uh, Galaxy Phoenix twenty says these guys are homie that homies. That is all. Keep up the good work. Thank you for that. And that leaves us with two hundred and seventy five five star reviews, Josh. And you know what that means. Nate, 275 years ago was the year 1775. Can anyone tell me what started in 1775? This is an easy one. Um, 1776 was the next year, so 1775. The American Revolutionary War, War I believe. Yes. We took them redcoats to the woodshed, son. We took the redcoats and we just spanked them up and down all of the, across <laughs> the East Coast. We said, get your Yankee – well, I guess we were the Yankees. Well, see, yeah, that's we're out of here. We were the Yankees back then. But for us Southern boys, we still would call them – we said, take your tea. We're going to throw it in the harbor and get your butt back across the ocean. So, now, unfortunately, the battle that was nearest in uh, the Revolutionary War would be the Battle of Bunker, Bunker Hill, which is on June 17th of 1775. And the Brits somehow uh, – they, 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 they won that one, but that's, that's irrelevant. We, they won the battle, but we won the war, baby. We won the war. And so you talk about Brexit. We're the Brexit champs right here. So um, we showed Brexit how to do it. So anyways, so there you go. That's your little history lesson for the day. If you want, if you want to end this segment, all you gotta do is give us 25 five-star reviews and we will never talk about history uh, events like this. Of course, talking about kicking the red coat's butt is kind of fun. So I, I kind of enjoy that. So uh, especially right now with all the dang Corona news, like <laughs> we, need, we need something good, you know, something we all rally around and uh, you know, uh, July 4th memes are my favorites. So, uh, I like your tea in the harbor and back-to-back World War champs and all that stuff. So, anyways, um, yeah, so that's uh, that's what's going on, man. Well, you know, speaking of the coronavirus and all, all the news is coming out, well, it seems that uh, in the last couple of weeks there's been some – how do you say it? Some uh, media, media coverage around uh, in, increased cases um, and stock markets have started to tumble oil and gas layoffs have started to increase again. Uh, I don't know. I just don't know when this stuff's going to, going to, going to cool, cool off, man. It seems like uh, there, there are people that just don't want to let it go and they have to keep stirring the pot and not to say that there's not increased cases, but uh, you get, you know, hundreds of thousands of people out protesting or people going back out to sporting events, people getting back to work. Everybody always knew there was going to be increasing cases. We were the, the original plan was to flatten the curve, slow things down so that there wasn't a huge influx. 
going back out is gonna is gonna cause more cases. I would I would want to point out though, based on the research I've been doing, is is the they're not talking about the uh, the death rates at all. Um, the coronavirus number of cases is going up, but the fatalities are go, are continuing to drop dramatically, uh, and that's just seems like not it's not being talked about in the news because it doesn't it doesn't stir the the hysteria, and I guess it just doesn't get the attention. I mean, okay. And you, you, this is reiterate what you said. Flatten the curve. I, listen, I ain't saying I agree with them or disagree with them. I'm just telling you what they said. Flatten the curve never, ever, 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 ever meant less people were going to die. That's not what that meant. So what does that mean, Josh? That if you're saying 2 million, 10 million, 100,000, 500,000, 5, a billion, if you're saying that this is the number that's going to die, when you flatten the curve using their metric, not mine, are more people going to die or are less people going to die or the same? Well, they said it's the same. It just takes longer, right? Yep. That, that's what they said. Now, you can call them crazy. You can say that they're the most brilliant people in the world. You can say whatever you want to. I'm just repeating what they said. So, as you point out, when we open up, well, if we, if we haven't hit our magical number, whatever that is, um, then by their own logic, we, we, we still got a ways to go. Just I'm just using their logic now. So don't email me and say that they're crazy. I'm not. I'm just simply saying, why is anyone acting like they're that we're? Why is the media acting like we're surprised when they're the ones who report on this stuff on a daily basis? So if you want to take them at their word and flatten the curve, okay. But when you open back up, as you say, people are going to count. And, and the other thing is, um, let's talk about these hospital cases. And I need to look this up. I, I read this. Late last night, I did not get a chance to verify. Are the hospital cases COVID cases or are the hospital cases or hospitalizations increasing, hospitalizations increasing? There's a big difference. There is a big difference. If you remember during the shutdown, we had um, people who did who could get surgeries done because they were elective, right? Yep. Well, now that the shutdown's over, what are you doing? You're getting elective surgeries. So before we say the hospitalizations are up, we need to see what percentage of those hospitalizations are actually COVID related compared to just hospitalizations. And again, it could be 100% COVID cases. I don't know. I just saw someone say last night that, that, that actually the way the, the way some of the stuff's being reported is that there's actually just people getting surgeries because they couldn't get surgeries. And so I, I, don't quote me on that. I need to verify that. But I did hear that and I thought, hmm, I actually haven't seen a breakdown of the hospitalizations. And Again, you could say, well, we, that's not reported. Why are they hospitalized? Well, if that's not reported, then, then maybe we should chill out. But yes, as we open back up, this is expected. And why did you guys start off with this, dude? I was doing good. I was doing good. And you got to go on this nonsense. Then, as, as I've, uh, I think we've all talked about, at least offline, online, um, it's almost as if the media wants the world to end. I mean, like, you will see um, some talk about the economic devastation and it's getting to the point now where they're having, it's hard for the Bloomberg's the world to, to, to kind of hide that talk. But media wanted to pretend like this was a, we'll either do this or we all die. Uh, no, well, I mean, uh, the, you know, the economy and all this stuff that we've got to figure out, it, it's, it's not, it's not, you just don't turn it off, turn it back on. And so um, I hope you do. I hope in a month now we go, oh my gosh, that was crazy. But um, but you don't. And so you're starting to see that um, 
politics aside, that getting this thing going is going to be a little bit harder than than people wanted to to tell you back in February, or March, uh, when they said flatten the curve. So I, all I have to say, if they shut this thing down again, I'm gonna lose my flipping mind. We're gonna have rants from Ryan segment on here because I will be losing my flipping mind. I mean, if if, if okay, hold on, let's see. If you can't stay home now, when can you stay home? Like you had three months to prepare to stay home, people. If you want to stay home, stay home. We ain't. We don't need you out amongst the people if you're scared. If you're scared, I understand it. Stay home. Stay home for the love of my sanity. If them commies shut us down one more time, I, 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 he done, I was Brian doing is going to lose his flipping mind. I, I, was, I was starting off good, took my kids fishing this morning, and then you just roll the hand grenade out there. And I'm I'm about to, mm, 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 mm. <laughs> mm, mm. Well, Why do you got to be like that. I I think uh, mm, there's no no good way to put it. No mm. good way to put it. And the, the article that I'm I'm referencing right now, um, uh, as of on June 15th, they were scheduled to lay off 600 two, two Texas oil suppliers are scheduled to lay off 675 workers, and uh, they mentioned a uh, a Warren Act. And uh, the Warren Act, it's a Worker Adjustment and Retraining Notification Act. It requires employers to give their workers 60 days notice before a plant closing or a mass layoff under certain circumstances. Mm. And this is all happening like right now. So this isn't from like March. So there's fresh pressure being put on companies in the midst of some of this. So, um, yeah. Yeah. No, it's, that's like you said, I mean, the, the economic fallout here is putting a lot of people in jeopardy. Yeah. And you know, we just, we've got it for us, for us and for our listeners and people listening to the show. Again, if you're scared of things, stay home. I ain't, I ain't mad at you for staying home. That, that ain't ever been the debate. If you don't, if you don't want to get this thing, then I don't blame you. Uh, but if we shut this thing down again, man, oof. I mean, we're in a better position to deal with the, um, um, to deal with the understanding of you know, how far the demand could go. But I mean, good, good Lord. It's, it's, uh, it's going to be bad. And, and then this, this one more thing, this one more thing. Let me point out something here real quick. So the New York times, which, uh, they claim to be smart, which is debatable. Um, oh, sorry. That sounds like, so, they have a, this is a opinion piece, New York Times, it was ran yesterday. What the pandemic reveals about the male ego. Why are the rates of coronavirus deaths far lower in many female-led countries? Okay. Okay. You know what, you know what's not mentioned in this piece right here? Anyone take a guess? But it's not a country, it's a state. Anyone want to guess what's not mentioned? Mm-hmm. South Dakota. Oh, good. That'd be hilarious. South Dakota is not mentioned here. I'm old enough to remember when the news was scorching South Dakota, who, let's see here, she is a female governor, right? Yeah, female governor. Huh. Female governor. Hmm. I don't see the praise for, for her in here. It's odd. It's really odd. It's almost like, it's almost like we want confirmation bias. Hmm. Okay. Sorry. Anyways, so we'll link to that piece in the show notes if people want to Want to want to read that? So, why you gotta do this to me, man? Huh? It's Monday morning. First off, I wake up. Stephanie, the intern, ain't send me the articles. 
I had the kids fishing. I'm like, okay, well, Stephanie's going to give them to when I get back. 9.15, Stephanie ain't got the articles in. Send her a text. No, I sent them. So I checked my spam folder, searched the emails. No, they're not there. Get past that. She sent them to someone else. Get past that. And, um, okay. And, um, round two of the corona. Mm-hmm. Second wave of the coronavirus. And then I got to read the New York uh, op-eds, these morons. Hmm. Well, we can uh, we can jump in some good news. Our uh, our good buddy Sergio Sergio Chapa. He is. Oh no no no! See, I think I think I think y'all just conspired today. I really think it is. Okay, let's talk about Sergio Chapa. Last week, I get on Twitter. There's old Sergio. He's live tweeting about the Barnett. I'm like, hmm, this must be good. This must be good. Sergio live tweeting about the Barnett. We've getting a hard time. Sergio, step up your Barnett coverage, right? He live tweets that the I think it's Arlington, the city of Arlington shuts down three rig uh, permits for rigs in wherever it's in Arlington, I believe it was. Conveniently, he just happened to live tweet and watch the live stream of three rigs in the Barnett being held down by the communist leaders of Arlington. You know, it's funny. It's funny. He only happens to catch the news when it's when it's negative, right? The Barnett's fighting its way back up, trying to save this economy one rig at a time. And uh, and Sergio only happens to catch it when it's negative news. So he's not talking about all the good we're doing to the Barnett, but whatever. So yeah, he definitely left the Barnett out to dry. Oh yeah, just uh, but the Permian. Uh, so the title of the article is "Permian Basin Revival Looming on the Horizon." He goes on to talk about uh, some 42 companies filed for 109 drilling permits with the Texas Railroad Commission from June 3rd to 9th. That's more than double the 53 permits filed one week prior. Uh, so we see a big uptick in, in permits. And, you know, we were kind of expecting something along those lines when oil hit 40. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, oil is back down, I think, to 34 last I checked. Uh, let, me, let me look at it. Yeah, I think it's 34. I looked at it a minute ago. Yeah, and you know what? Other thing, Josh, for Texas, I believe I did talk to a midstream company on Friday in New Mexico, and they said that their producers are, um, as it stands now, almost all of them that um, are expected to meet their quotas for their um, for the midstream gathering system that they're building out and are going to build out for them. So uh, now I didn't ask about you know new projects versus old and what the ratio was to meet the commitment volumes, but. Um, some of that was definitely new work. And so, uh, yeah, we might see a, a slight uptick. And then again, though, if we go back to that Corona shutdown nonsense, then well, I, I think I, I'm going to be on here losing my dang. I'm gonna be, oh, I, just, I, just, I, I think that's one of the problems here is, is that that uncertainty makes all these companies nervous about what to do. Like if, if there's a possibility that we may shut down again, uh, they, they, they want to. Right. Mm. That's right. Well, and that's the thing is we need to, you know, so we, before, before the shutdowns, no one really knew what the bottom of the oil and gas, you know, demand market could be because, you know, I mean, okay, the bottom could be zero theoretically, but, you know, realistically, what would the, what was the bottom demand be? Um, you could kind of run projections. We kind of now know. I mean, I can't imagine it getting much lower barring a shift to uh, disabsorb the demand from somewhere else. Okay. So now you're saying, okay, well, what does the new demand look like? And so China's numbers have kind of said, well, maybe it's going to be, uh, maybe it's going to be this. Of course, in Beijing this weekend had a shutdown. I haven't seen how severe that is. Uh, so Beijing might be shutting back down. And so you go, well, yeah, what is the, what are the new demand numbers? And if you know, that's 
that's the the thing that we have to get through is we're not out of the woods. It's stuff like this. The second wave of the corona hitting, and we're gonna shut things down and the the gasoline demand is not going where it needs to go. Like those are things you go, oh my gracious. Okay, well, you know, the price is not gonna recover yet. And and and, and to be fair, we said back when this whole thing started, we thought this was really bad and wasn't gonna be be over for a long period of time. Last week we said, and I don't have the quote, but essentially the good thing now is people are saying that there's potential, but we're out of the woods yet. We got ways to go for out of the woods. And when we say we're out of the woods, these are the types of things that are concerning is that when you're not out of the woods, what does that mean? That big ass grizzly bear is still around the corner. He might come out and snatch it, right? And so mm-hmm. you know, we, we in the woods and uh, and so stuff like this is, is concerning. Um, you know, now listen, if you're one of those 42 companies that's drilling the permits, you're feeling pretty good today, right? <laughs> <laughs> you're like, all right, we're back to work. We're doing good. And so, um, anyways, so that's good, but no, I do think you're right. Yeah. Uh, we need to get that. We need to, we need to know what is going to open up, um, how much demand there will be on the market. You know, there's reports about all these restaurants that are going to close and stuff like that. Um, obviously that will impact the demand on some level people you know, going back and forth to restaurants. So we need to see what the new demand numbers are The quicker. We can get that. Even if they are a tick, even if they are, you know, we went from 100 million to 70 million roughly barrels a day. Even the new uh, demand numbers is just 92 million, whatever it is. We just need to know what it is. We can't, you can't meet the supply and demand until you know what both sides of the equation are. So um, that makes the uncertainty all the much harder. So agreed. Well, in the middle of all this, uh, some of these companies are having an opportunity to revisit uh, best practices uh, regarding flaring. Um, when you know, Permian was in its heyday, just seems, seems like just a few months ago, um, per, uh, the, the flaring issue was really front and center. It was the mm-hmm. biggest issue that the Permian was facing uh, was flaring. They were developing all sorts of things to try to, uh, one, uh, improve the optics for the environmentalists and the groups out there that were um, tagging, tagging these companies as being hazardous to the global climate. And number two, the, the gas is valuable. So there was money just being wasted. So they were trying to figure out how they can maximize the, their returns. So this has given uh, a lot of companies opportunities to uh, work on flaring so that they can improve their, uh, their ROI and maximize on, their, on the product. Uh, so it's interesting to see how during tough times like this, um, you really can't afford to, to waste things. So there's a sense of trying to, uh, push to really figure out how to make it during these uh, slim slim margins. So, um, right. and all my sales guys out there will, will understand this. When oil's a hundred dollars a barrel, you you don't get tickets to the Cowboys game. You get a suite. You go ahead and say open bar. You invite the clients. You invite the clients' wives, maybe the clients' wife and the clients' girlfriend. You invite you know their kids. You invite the stepmoms. You you invite everybody, right? You just like come on, come on, we got the, we got the, everybody come on in here, right? Uh, when I was a 50, you're like, hey, uh, I got two tickets. They're a little bit high. They're kind of the back corner of the game and uh, no parking pass. Is that going to work for you? Right. Then when is it 30, you're like, uh, hey, you want to go to the house and watch the game? I can buy you the, the uh, NFL game pass and watch it at your house. And when old is at 10, you're like, how about them Cowboys? Right. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> there's kind of the spectrum of how you're interacting with your clients based upon what the budget you have available available is. So the different price points, you're trying to figure out what's the most bang for your buck and how do you, you know, 
uh, it's, it's just the same thing. You're right. So uh, this makes companies have to make tough decisions that they do not have to make when the price is the price is high and the regu- the regulations are low. Uh, companies do not have to make tough decisions like this when the price is cheap or when the price is high and the regulations high. Um, uh, when the price is low uh, and the margins are none, if at, if uh, if at all, then you have to make very tough decisions. Uh, so whether that's letting people off, how to make money on your flare. Um, whether that's like the Bitcoin mining stuff or you know, something like that, the data centers, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, you have to make those decisions just like, you know, us vendors do. And so it makes it makes sense. And, you know, when we remember last, uh, the last downturn, we talked about this some, that, you know, some of the innovations and technologies that you were seeing and, you know, they're trying the longer laterals and you kind of remember some of those, those discussions. And so coming out of this again, we'll see, you know, things that are done different. And, and this is an aside just real quick on the COVID stuff, because you brought that up in my mind again. Uh, you know, the longer the downturns go and the more severe they are, whether it's the only gas downturn or wherever, unless you're Amazon, um, the longer the downturns go, the more companies find ways to replace your job. Right? So unless you've got a job where you got to hold a hammer and you got to hammer random things, or you got to pick something up and move it. If you can't do, uh, do it, or you know, there's some jobs that can't be replaced, obviously. But the longer you're gone, the more they're going to try to find a way to replace you because they're having to increase the efficiency. Uh, and so then, the, then the, the the oil price or the profit margin or wherever how you're measuring that has to get back to a certain spot to justify bringing that person back, and it's probably higher uh, than it was before. And just look at our economy now, Josh. And when we were, uh, you know, coming out of college, you know, we'll, we'll bring that in for this. When we were coming out of college, Josh, uh, now I didn't have any skill sets that would have warranted this, but um, if I did, would you have ever considered being a in the gig economy, like on Fiverr? And the answer is no, right? Because that didn't even exist when we were coming. Well, I didn't go to college, but, you know, when you're coming out of college, there was no, or high school, there was no way to be a programmer online, to my knowledge. Do you remember anything like that? Hmm. Right. I mean, we didn't have those options, right? Yep. Okay. What about you, Nate? When you come out of college for you, you're a few years younger than us. Was that um, something that you could have considered and, and, uh, because of this, the fivers and the, all these places now? Could have. I don't know if I could have made a good living at it. Right. So, so right. So it's moved from Josh and I are about, what, eight, nine years, 10 years old, something like that. 12 years. I don't know. I don't even know what you are. So yeah. Um, and so from, from the last decade, uh, I, don't, uh, yeah, I, don't, I don't know how much uh, of a living you could have made or not, but that wasn't even an option for us. Well, part of that is because people got laid off and they had to find jobs, they had to find something to do and, and all this stuff. And so um, anyways, so I, I think that this, if you, again, just to the general industry, uh, we need to get this thing back up and going so we can get people back employed. Um, again, some jobs can't be replaced, but the ones that can, they will. It will take longer to get, uh, to get it back. And so uh, anyways. Well, mention uh, some some tough decisions that people have to make. So Iraq is asking BP to throttle flow in order to meet the OPEC plus quota. So OPEC uh, last week agreed to extend the quote uh, the uh, cuts out for a little while longer. Uh, Iraq is actually asking BP to cut um, in their nation's biggest field of Rumalia by ten percent. Um, so uh, that and now the the cool thing about this article or 
the interesting thing to me is that there's uh, another one coming up from the Chronicle that BP is taking a $17.5 billion hit um, due to the pandemic. So in the midst of that hit, they're also being asked to further cut some of their production by Iraq to meet this OPEC uh, quota. And I, I suspect they will do it just to... Well, this has been a point of debate because um, Iraq was talking to BP, Exxon, and Total, maybe, I don't know, two other companies, something like that, about this for quite some time. If you remember, I think we talked about it on this show, BP's cutting like 10,000 jobs or something. Yes, a lot. Yeah, so I, I, I wondered if there is some correlation with the time of the news or, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, or, hey, you guys are cutting 10,000 jobs. We need you to cut the production here. You know, make these, these are the jobs you can cut type deal. Maybe not. I don't know. I decided it's just the BP news has been kind of hot and heavy here recently. But um, uh, yeah, them and um, Exxon and a couple others were, were arguing over who had to make the cuts in uh, in Iraq. And so I guess BP either got the short end of the stick or they're like, listen, you know, we, we didn't call these jobs. So we'll, we'll take the hit here because it just works out for a larger plan. But I, I don't know that to be fact. I, I just, just curious for anything. Ellen might know that answer. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see for sure. And and, and the the you know looking at a company like BP that's taken such big hits. I mean, seventeen point five billion have all these layoffs. Um, probably not a pleasant thing for them to cut their production even further and uh, lower their their income. Uh, so I, I think that's the situation a lot of companies are facing right now, trying to determine how they can. Uh, make it through this because in some ways if they could figure out ways to maximize efficiency, they may could uh, drop some of the production, but still kind of regain it in other areas. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, you know, you, you just start looking at the numbers. I mean, 10,000 people, now that's obviously you know, BP is a, a global company. So that's going to be all over the world, but 10,000 people, that's, that's, that's a lot of folks. I mean, just stop and think, not the client side, the vendor side is how many, or the, the client side, you know, how many companies that you, that you know that have 10,000 people to begin with? Now, if you're talking about, you know, Exxon and you know, Shell and Enterprise and Marathon, okay, sure. But just, you start, you get down that list and it don't, it don't get very far if you go, dang, 10,000 people, that's not a, that's not a lot. And here's, here's some perspective. This is from the Dallas Fed. This came out a few weeks ago or last week. It said, um, but the signs, da da da, because the because okay, in December of nineteen, this is the, the Dallas Fed doubled its estimates of job loss through October twenty twenty because of volatile prices. It expected roughly eighty one hundred job losses in Texas in the oil and gas sector. So last December, uh, when the prices were kind of fluctuate before the COVID stuff hit, uh, you remember we had the, the the Iranian deal and all that stuff. Anyways. Um, they're they expecting 8,100 jobs. So BP alone is cutting more than the, the Dallas Fed expected Texas to lose uh, last year. And then it said, um, this is from March or April, I'm not sure. Uh, drilling companies and refineries shed more than 51,000 jobs in March alone, according to a BW Research Partnership consultancy. Uh, 30,000 were energy companies. Let me see if we get more numbers in here. You start looking at those numbers, the only, only thing I'm trying to point out is, is that these are staggering numbers. We can think about 10,000 jobs and go, ah, it's 10,000 jobs, but it's a lot of folk. Yeah, it really it's is. a lot of folk. And, um, and you know, and the, the, what's going to be interesting, yeah, my, my wife was telling me last night that she saw that the WWE 
is hiring a director of operations. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, that's, that's interesting. Uh, but you know, I said, if you remember back before when the economy was good, Amazon had like 5,000 jobs they needed to fill. It's like, you know, technicians and engineers and programmers and stuff. And I told her, I said, you know, a lot of that stuff was, it seemed from the outside was just, uh, people saying, Hey, uh, you know, uh, Amazon could just try to grab up resumes, see what's out there, whatnot. Well, you're going to see a lot of that coming up, Josh, because if you're a company who's making that and uh, making it right now and you're doing well and you've got a little cash, uh, well, those 10,000 BP employees that are getting laid off, there's probably some good ones to snap up. So um, I think that's going to be kind of the hard thing to, to judge the next couple of months for our industry is of the reports of hirings, how many people are actually hiring versus how many people are looking to just scrape off the top talent, uh, you know, and bring it in, which is still hiring, but it's not the same thing as just a general hire. Well, Ron, I think that wraps up uh, most of the news. We have uh, a few stories for our Texas Roundup. Uh, Texas Roundup, there's an interesting article. New Mexico is issuing penalties for dumping of drilling water. Uh, so there were two businesses facing civil penalties uh, for dumping drilling water. So, uh, Yeah, and listen, if you're familiar with this, for a listener, um, email us in. I was curious because it sounds like, Josh, that the, the way the article reads is that these guys just got a fine in the mail. Yeah. Right. right? I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, kind of, cause the, the, the way the owner responds is that, um, that the, the allegations surprised him. And so he calls it allegations or she calls it allegations rather. Uh, but, um, anyways, I don't know. I was just, it was it's kind of a weird story. Cause I was like, oh, that's weird that, that they, they get these fines, but I don't, like how they like how they know. I'm just just genuinely curious. So if you've got some insight on that, listeners, on how New Mexico is tracking this stuff, I'd love to love to hear more about it. Another article. This was this one uh, is about 3D reality capture. It um, basically what they're saying is they take some 3D cameras that are uh, not 3D, 360, 360 degree cameras, and they go into these facilities and they take uh, lots of shots of video so that people could actually analyze the, the rig or the facility or the structure uh, virtually. And they can look at, they can get kind of a, a full view and determine what upgrades, updates need to be done, what sort of work needs to be done to keep the uh, facility functioning optimally. So um, this, is, uh, this is something that's really taken off in a lot of different sectors of 3D um, technology. So it looks like it's making it into the oil and gas sector um, as we speak well, as well. Yeah, and these cameras—it says the cameras and the equipment cost one hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars. A lot of scratch. I mean, that ain't just a—I mean, just a few cents, is it? <laughs> That's a little, yeah. It's a little bit, a little bit cheddar. You're cutting to get one of them, one of them deals going. Um, next article, Oxy. They are—you uh, know—they've been trying to unload debt for some time. There's. Um, in the Middle East and Oman, there's a, supposed to be about a billion dollars worth uh, a, a property that was valued at a billion. Not sure what it's worth right now or if they can sell it or anything, but uh, they're looking at that and uh, it'd be interesting to see how they how they can play play that. Texas oil, huh? You gonna buy? It? Um, I I'd be willing to give up half my shares in this podcast for it, and <laughs> that would be. Not all. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah, you probably overpaying for it if you're doing that. So yeah. <laughs> um, there's an article. This is a political article for the days. Texas oil and gas poll shows wariness of Biden. 
Now, if you go back a year, we've mentioned this a couple of times, Biden was probably the most oil and gas friendly Democratic. Uh, yeah. Why he was running. Why he was running, yeah. But he has since brought in a couple of people that are making the oil and gas uh, sector very nervous, AOC, with some of the climate stuff. Um, yeah, so I, I think it said 76% of the oil and gas executives revealed they have a great deal or a good deal of concern about their company's future economic growth growth prospects should former VP Biden win the White House. Well, I'm glad you brought this up. We have the return of Speaker. Uh, he's back. I said the bat signal out, had to poke him a few times. Uh, he's back. So we will have a Speaker. Speaker says, <laughs> I got a couple in here. So be on the lookout for the, uh, the, the Speaker says. He is uh, in rare form. He is not happy. And uh, you will get to hear Speaker's comments. Um, I am curious. If you are someone who did vote for Trump, as Speaker did, will you vote for Biden? Not, not, not a hard yes or no. I'm just curious. Shoot me an email or a note. I'm just curious to see if you, know, if you are frustrated with the Trump administration enough to, to go to Biden. Um, and, you know, like you said, Josh, you might have considered Biden a few months ago, but with AOC, you know, on the whatever that committee is, the Energy Committee or Policy Energy Environmental Policy Committee or whatever, maybe you've uh, maybe you're not, not necessarily. Uh, as up on it, um, um, as into Biden as you were. So I'd be curious to see, let me know what you think about, about Biden. Um, I just, I mean, dude, this looks old. That's all I'm going to say. The brother looks old. Yeah. I'm not going to say anything else, but the man just looks old. He needs a five hour energy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, uh, uh, anyways, so, Last article, uh, EQM delays Mountain Valley nat gas pipe to uh, early 2021. We may have mentioned this one uh, last week, but there's a, the detail here that I wanted to mention um, was they were, this, uh, this pipeline wasn't for sure going to move forward, if I recall. Um, they were questioning it, but it looks like they are planning to move forward with it. Um, it uh, is supposed to be 5.4 to 5.7 billion in early 2021. Uh-huh. Yeah, and Josh, with that, I do have one story that I didn't put in here, but this is probably the most important story of the day. Um, this is from the New York Post. Alter- alternate reading of the Mayan calendar suggests end of the world is next week. Um, so we've had locusts in Africa, volcanoes, hurricanes, COVID. Um, there is some folks who are reading the Mayan calendar that um, that it could come, it could come, and so you know, normally, bring it on, baby. Yeah, normally bring it on. Stuff off. I was like, oh, this is silly, but with 2020, nothing would surprise me right now. Like I would yeah. literally be like, oh yeah, there's there's fire and brimstone coming down. Hmm, that makes sense, you know. Like there's Ebola's back. Have you heard that or not? Ebola's back in parts of Africa. I don't, I don't think it's very bad, but it has. Was that was there E. coli in the in yeah, the, in e. the cow meat? meat and so. 2020 hates What did you so, people do? I don't understand this. Like, what did y'all do to, to bring this upon us? I do, I do not understand. Um, so, yes. So, if we are not back next week, uh, this came out on the 13th, which was two days ago. So, by the time you listen to this podcast, um, it is possible the world might be getting ready to end. So, feel free to send us money. In case it doesn't. In case we survive. In case we survive. In case, in case yeah, we, we, we might survive. We have, a, we have a bunker. So, in case we survive. Uh, to send money and we'll take care of the rest. And uh, anyway, so yeah, I just thought, thought I'd throw that in there. Just my, my, my moment of positivity for the day that if the world does not end next week, we have beat the Mayans at their own game one more time. 
So there you go. There's your rallying cry. What else we got? Anything? Is that it? Roundup's done. Well, um, just for any takers out there. Show. I think he just I'll certainly, certainly take bets. I bet that the world doesn't end next week. We can settle these bets in approximately 30 days. I they bet got, up to they, up to 100 billion. They got. <laughs> I'm good for it. <laughs> they got to go ahead and deposit the money today, though. Money's going to be deposited today. I'll be escrow account holder for you. So, yeah, go ahead and deposit the money today. And, uh, you know, and then next week we have a guest on, don't we, Nate? Someone coming on to talk about hedges, right? Is that right? Yes, sir. We are having on Chris Mishak of Pickering Energy Partners down in Houston. Okay. All righty. Well, we will be back then. And until next time, keep coming. <laughs>